0: Praise the Lord. Aren't you happy to be in the house of God? Amen. I'm so thankful for the church of the living God. Where would we be without the church, without the blood? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to the word of the Lord. I feel a distinct word from God found in 2 Kings chapter number 4 appreciate your pastor and his wife and their hospitality and everyone in this great church I'm thankful that he is willing to help evangelists make it through a difficult time uh, this is the month every everyone dreads as far as if you're on the field and the Lord has helped us and we're going to make it through it amen second Kings chapter number four, beginning with verse. Number 16, and he said, he being Elisha, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reaper's, He said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. For the sake of time, I'll skip to verse 32. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead. Laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door upon them twain, prayed unto the Lord, and he went up and lay upon the child, and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming in unto him, he said, take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, took up her son, and went out. I, in prayer this afternoon, the Lord laid this text on my heart, and I want to just follow what I feel in the spirit, and preach a little while on how to deal with a dead promise. How to deal with a dead promise. Father, we need the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. In this room, God, there are so many different walks of life. There are so many different circumstances that no man knows about, but only the one that is above all and through all and in us all. Only you know the affairs of men. And only you know who's walked in this building. And they are carrying the load that seems unbearable. I ask tonight that the Helper, the Holy Ghost, the anointing would show up. And God speak to our hearts and give us direction in the spirit. Amen. Amen. And the church said amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Promises are a part of our everyday life. Children promise parents their best behavior. Students promise teachers to do the best on their schoolwork. Couples promise eternal love and devotion when they give their vows on their wedding day. Employees promise employers a productive day at work. Promises go on and on and on. They're a part of our life. They happen seemingly unnoticed every day, seems like, uh, that we, in essence, whether we know it or not, we do make promises. Promises float across airwaves every day, especially this past year as politicians try to secure a vote from an individual. They will promise the moon knowing full well that they cannot keep the promise. Nonetheless, they want to make a promise to solidify the confidence of the people by any means possible. See, a promise, though, is only as meaningful as the person making it. Some people just have a reputation. They're not going to keep a promise. I believe we can all think of somebody that's crossed our path in this life that you knew as soon as they said it. They didn't have the money in the bank to cash the check. They just they they were notorious. They had a reputation. Don't trust those promises. They couldn't keep it. Others have all intentions of fulfilling that promise when they say it. Yet due to unexpected circumstances, promise goes Unfulfilled. I, I have a, a, several relatives that they will promise you they're going to do something and, and they have the ability to do it and they have all the desire to do it. But it seems as though that circumstances come up and, and they just can't do it. But then there are those people that you know, even if it costs them money, they're going to keep their word, their reputation as promise keepers. People know that their word is good. See, a promise is only mean as meaningful as the person who gives the promise. Promises. We, we have so many promises throughout our life that we lose track. We have promised our children as parents. We have promised them things that we were really unaware we even promised. We just wanted them to stop bugging us. I've shown up at the house on the way from wherever before, and my my children look at me and go, but dad, but dad, you promised us. I had no clue what I promised. I just wanted them to stop bugging me while I was driving down the road. Hello, we've all been there. Promises. We've made covenants to remain best friends with certain people, not knowing that life was going to cause our paths to separate just a few years later. Promises. I dare even say tonight that we have promised God many things out of desperation only to have forgotten about our promise once God did his part. Promises. See, we have conditioned ourselves regarding promises from people. Yet we stand in disbelief many times when any promise we felt was from God goes unanswered or dies in the process of fulfillment. There are promises from God in general for every believer that are solid. They are firm and they could be stood upon regardless of the situation. In Philippians 4.19, we find the promise of provision, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, we find the promise of sufficient grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In Isaiah 43 and 2, we find the promise of divine protection. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So there are promises that reach every individual. There are promises that God has given to his entire chosen generation. But but there are times in our life when God visits us in different moments, in different stages. And God gives us as individuals a promise. They vary from person to person. You have your own ways of praying. You have your own desires of, that you have prayed. But there are times in your own life, if we're all honest, that God has given us those landmark experiences that we go back to and say, but God, you remember there was a promise given me right here. I could take you to times back home in Westlake. I could take you to spots in that sanctuary or in the prayer room where I had a visitation from God. Unbeknownst to anybody in the room, God gave me a promise. God gave me a promise regarding my future. God gave me a promise regarding my family. Promises from God that are just from Him to me. They've happened to all of us. He's visited us at times when, when no one knew it in our own private time, but God communed with us. And God gave us a promise. It was those promises that carried us in our weak moments. When we couldn't make it anymore and it seemed that all the life was drained out of us and and every direction was just confusion, we were able to go back to those promises that God gave us. Those promises. Some people's promises are are their lost children to come back to God and and live right. Some people's promises are for family to do this or do that or, or my job to do this. Whatever it is, it was your promise. God gave you a promise. We keep praying and we keep believing until it seems as though the promise is not going to happen. The promise is dead. It's never going to live. Or or perhaps it looks like it's starting to take life. But then uh, it just fizzles out and it dies. It dies. Promises. We feel angry. We feel helpless. Hopeless. God, how could you allow this to happen? My promise that I've been holding on to for all of these years is now dead. How could a just and a perfect God now not fulfill his end of the deal? Questions race through our spirit. Our faithfulness is being tested. Will I serve a God that I don't understand? Will I serve a God even though my promise Seems dead. In the words of D.L. Moody, can I remind you, God has never made a promise that was too good to be true. Second Corinthians 1 and 20, For the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him a man under the glory of God uh, by us. God is well able to fulfill each and every promise that He has given you. Just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just because you can't figure out the timeline of God does not mean that God does not have the goods to back up His promise. Our frustration is not because we don't know, we don't think He can. Our frustration grows because we don't know how to handle a seemingly dead promise. Perhaps tonight the Shunammite woman can give us some insight regarding how to deal with a dead promise. This woman was introduced to us And Second Kings chapter four and verse number eight, as Elijah passed through, this woman constrained him to eat bread. He would pass by her house often, and she consulted with her husband and said, "Why don't we build a chamber? Why don't we build a place of habitation where, when this prophet passes by, he'll have rest. He'll have a place where he can relax." came a day when Elisha passed by that he brought the woman into, unto him and said, I'm going to give you a promise. In essence, this is what the prophet said. At this particular season, you're going to have a son. It was it, it was a seemingly impossible task because her husband was old. In fact, she spoke up and said, "Oh, man of God, don't you lie to me. Don't play with my emotions. Don't tell me something that's not going to happen. It seemed as though it was impossible. Yet in just the next verse we see that about that season there came a promise. This thing, no doubt she has spent nine months going, Oh, I know the promise is going to come to pass. I'm so excited. She saw it all come into shape and, and there was a day when the promise did come to pass. Time goes by. We're not sure of exactly how many years, but he was old enough to go out to the field by himself. The Bible said that he got out into that field. The promise became sick. The promise got a headache. The promise made his way into the house where the mother was. And the Bible said that she put him on her knees until noon, and then he died this promise that she had held so dearly, this promise that she had prayed for, this promise that she had prepared for, now sat on her lap and died. Here was this promise from God, dying right before my very eyes. I'm sure the questions flooded her mind. How could a perfect and righteous God allow this to happen to me? You gave me this promise, God. The child, promised from God, died. What struck me about the situation was not only what she did, but what she did not do. She didn't try to rock a dead promise. Natural human tendencies, when that baby would have died, she would have, she would have embraced it and mourned and cried and rocked and did everything to console this dead promise. And there's times in our life when that promise that we've been praying for is dead. And we try everything we can do to get it back to life. We try everything we know to do just to resuscitate a a dead promise. No, she didn't do that. She snatched up that dead promise and she brought it back to the prophetic voice. That gave it to her. And she laid it upon the bed of the man of God. In essence what she did was she put it in the hands of God. Knowing that the promise came from God. And it may look like a dead promise. But I can't control a divine promise. She put it in the hands of God. By doing this she was saying I no longer have control over the promise. Only God can take care of it. Uh, only God can bring it to ba- uh, bring it about. Uh, and how many times have we uh, seen this promise uh, die before our eyes, seeing our children run from God, uh, seeing all these things happen in our life that we believe God for, and yet we still try to hold on to that dead promise. We still try to rock it. We still try to resuscitate it. We still try to make it happen our own way. She didn't do that. She put it on the hands Cause she went to Elisha, and Elisha showed up. He laid over that child. He put eyes to eyes, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. Eventually, the body got warm, and the child sneezed seven times, and life came back, and she, he told that Shunammite woman, he said, you go in, and you get your dead promise. That thing that was once dead, it's back to life. See, there's some things in your life. They're not going to even, they're not going to get any better until you put them in the hands of God. That thing that you've been praying for hour after hour after hour, year upon year, it's not going to get any better until you take your hands off of it uh, and you say, God, I have no control over it. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to try to make it happen my way. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'll just tell you tonight, don't complain about a dead promise if you haven't put it in the hands of God. Don't complain about this thing not working out how you want it to, how you're praying for it to, if you haven't taken your hands off of it and put it in God's hands. You can't blame God for not doing it if you haven't put it in His hands. You can't blame God for not answering your prayers if you haven't taken your hands off of it and let God have His way in that situation. This lady went to the man of God who was the symbol of God in her life. I have seen people walk out of a pastor's office and get mad about what he said and do it their way, yet just a few weeks later they're mad because it didn't turn out how they wanted it to or how they prayed. Yet they went totally against what the counsel of God was. You can't get mad about God not doing something if you're not willing to listen to the counsel of God. You can't get upset. For God not answering your prayers if your prayers are contradicting the word of God. See, our prayers are tempered by emotion. Prayers are tempered by knowledge. Actually, scripturally, the only unbiased prayer is intercession. Every time I go to prayer, my prayers are tempered by my feelings. They're tempered by my knowledge. They're tempered by my likes and my dislikes. They're tempered by my will. But when you enter into a realm of intercession, the Spirit uses you as a mouthpiece, basically. And you pray according to the will of God. And you are pr- the only, uh, only unbiased prayer is intercession. Every other prayer, I'm praying according to my will. And you can't blame God for not meeting your prayers, not answering your prayers concerning your promise, if that prayer is contradicting the will of God or the man of God. I have seen people, not even in the church today. They would have been in the church if they would listened to the counsel of God, from the man of God. But they felt that they knew the direction of God, and it superseded the counsel of the man of God. That's not scriptural. That's not right. God, a lot of the man of God versus what you feel is the will of God. He requires obedience. If you'll obey, you don't have to understand it. It don't have to make sense. But you just obey. You just do it. And God will honor your obedience. And in essence, that, that dead promise is going to resurrect in due season because you obeyed. But when you do it your way, you in essence secure the fate of that dead promise. Does this make a sense? Dead promises. How do I deal with well, a dead promise? You put it in the hands of God. You take your hands off of it. You stop trying to manipulate a miracle. You stop trying to do it your own way. And you say, God, I no longer have control over this. I'm going to put it in your hands. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I'm going to do what the man of God tells me to do. It doesn't make sense to me, Lord, but I'm just trusting you. I'm obeying. We fail to realize that the natural man cannot resurrect a divine promise. And promises are subject to God's timing. For his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's impossible for humanity to understand deity. And that's where frustration breeds because we don't understand why the promise isn't happening. We don't understand why it's not resurrecting like I want it to. David, surely David, man after God's own heart can teach us something else about dealing with a dead promise. See, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13 says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David was given a promise by the prophet. David, here's what God's telling you. You're not going to be the one to build the temple. But there's going to come an offspring of yours. And that's where the promise is. That's where my my covenant's going to be. And and your offspring is going to build this temple, David. So David is living with this thought in mind that I have a promise. And one of my children is going to build the temple. They're going to be heirs to the throne. It's It's the promise that God gave me. As time goes by, David and Bathsheba conceive and a child is born. Not long after this child is born, Nathan the prophet comes back to David. You know the story. He exposes the sin of David. And David confesses it, And David seeks forgiveness and repentance before God. Uh, the anger of God is turned away. But there is one thing. David, that child is going to die. This child didn't even have a name in the Bible. But no doubt David had stayed up every night thinking, this is going to be the promise. This is going to be the heir. This is is going to be the one that's going to fill my shoes and build my temple. No doubt he, he thought many times, this is my promise that the prophet spoke about. This is my promise. But now my promise has been given a death sentence. Now my promise's days were numbered. The Bible said that he began to fast and he began to weep. There came a day when he saw his servants whispering and he understood my promise has died. Understand the actions that David took following this announcement of the death of his son revealed his faith in God because the Bible says that David in verse 20 arose from the earth. And he washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He worshipped. Even though his promise seemingly was gone. he still had enough confidence in the fact that God gave the promise. And God's going to have to fulfill his promise his way. I may not have it figured out, but if I don't stop weeping over what's lost, I'll never be able to worship for what's to come. And there are far too many people that have spent days and years weeping over what's lost. They've never started worshiping for what's to come. See, God's promise happens His way. You can't figure out His promise. You have to allow the promise to unfold. It was years ago that God gave me my own promise of what He was going to do in my life. I didn't come from a preacher's family. I didn't come come out of a great pedigree regarding ministry. I worked at a feed store. I threw sacks. My parents owned a feed store. And I spent day after day after day, 60 hours a week, throwing sacks of feed, and I I would be up there by myself, and I would just pray, and I would cry going, God, don't you know where I am? Don't you remember that promise that you gave me? Don't you remember those times you visited me? I would go up to the church when nobody was there and I would grab the microphone and I'd begin to pray and I'd begin to preach. And I would just get used to the anointing and just flow in it and preach. And I'd go back to that feed store and I'd remind God again about His promise that He gave me. God, You gave me this promise and it seems like it's dead. It's never going to come to fruition. I had it all lined out, how it was going to happen. God, we're going to do it like this and God like that. And if you'd have told me that the way I was going to get launched into full-time ministry was my parents going bankrupt and losing everything they had, I'd have said, you're a liar. But see, the promise happens God's way. I would have never picked that way for the promise to come about. It would not be anywhere in my thinking that all of this was going to happen to get me there. But it's not my responsibility to figure out the promise. It's not my responsibility to figure out how God's going to do it. I just got to trust him. I just got to worship him. I got to put it in the hands of God and say, God, you know what's best, and I trust you. I trust you. Stand with me. I feel a nudging of the spirit as the musicians come. I don't know what you're praying about. I don't know what you came in here facing. I don't know what you have laid before the Lord and said, God, don't you remember this promise you gave me? I don't know. But whatever it is, the only way to deal with a dead promise is you got to take your hands off of it, and you got to put it in the hands of God. And you got to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. And I may not be able to figure it out, but I trust you enough to worship you anyhow. I trust you enough to keep praising you anyhow, and I believe that you're going to do it your own way. Why don't we lift our hands to heaven all across this building? Can you worship a God that you don't understand? Can you worship a God that you haven't figured out?